and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday and you are going to want to check them out. Now you can also follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. And of course, if you want to support the show even more, become a patron of the show today at patreon.com slash speakadogcast. And you can also follow my brand new YouTube channel. Yes, at Speak a Dogcast as well. It's all Speak a Dogcast, always Speak a Dogcast. <laughs> now, if you guys love what you're hearing, give me a favor, scroll on down, give me that five-star rating, click that five stars, leave me a review. If you're on YouTube, click that thumbs up. Scroll on down, give me that big old thumbs up. I would greatly appreciate it, guys. Yes. Now, today on the show, we're talking separation anxiety 101, a very common issue that a lot of dog owners go through, whether it's a puppy or a rescue dog. We're going to talk about the causes and solutions. Then we have housebreaking 101. Yeah, we're going back to college today. That's what we're doing. <laughs> we're talking about all the basics for housebreaking. Again, whether it's a puppy, whether it's an older dog, we can solve these issues today. So listen into that for all those great tips. Then comes the first pets, followed by the listener Q&A. And if you guys have questions for the listener Q&A, you can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or feel free to just message me on social media. And of course, we are still offering free consultations until the end of May. That's right, free virtual consultations. So be sure you reach out to me and we can get your dog's training on track today. Now, before we get going with today's show, I gotta give you that trivia question. Today's question is going to be, what four common animal species die soon after giving birth? Yes, what four common animal species die soon after giving birth? I will give you that uh, answer to that question somewhere in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speaking Dogcast, Separation Anxiety 101. We're going to talk about some of the causes of separation anxiety today, as well as some of, uh, some of the solutions. Now, some of you guys out there, you may be dealing with a rescue dog. Maybe it came to you with, you know, that baggage, that anxiety and those issues. And it's something that just you haven't been able to figure out. Maybe it's a puppy or was a puppy at one point, <laughs> And we didn't do what needed to be done to curb some of that anxiety, separation anxiety. Or then there's the, you know, third option of it was coronavirus. Everybody was home for a long time. And then when everybody went back to school, went back to work, your dog didn't cope so well with it, right? Maybe we didn't do what we needed to do to transition them back to a life of, you know, people not being home all the time. Uh, so whatever the case may be, we're going to talk about how we fix that. Now, the reason dogs develop separation anxiety, there's a few, but first and foremost is the number one reason. And that's the fact that it's under stimulation, understimulated dogs. That is the number one cause of separation anxiety. There's definitely other reasons that your dog can develop separation anxiety. There's other uh, things you can do to, to reinforce accidentally or unknowingly uh, other things you can do to unfortunately reinforce separation anxiety. So, but yeah, you look, the number one thing is understimulation. And quite frankly, in all of my experience with dogs in this country, the majority of behavioral issues, no matter what they are, they stem from understimulation. Okay. Separation anxiety is no exception to this. And as a matter of fact, it's almost more so. When, whenever, I mean, I, like, I, I try to rack my brain, I'm going, let's see, if I can just think of, like, separation anxiety cases over the years that have popped into my brain, and every single one of them, there is a common denominator, and that, that these, that's, that's the fact that these dogs are not stimulated, whether it be mental or physical, the dogs are understimulated, and 
Look, it's the same with human beings, human beings that are understimulated or maybe don't get their energy out or don't exercise or whatever the case may be. We find that maybe it can create anxiety within us, right? It makes you feel uneasy, not having your brain and your physicality uh, in good shape. You know, it's it's so true, guys. Our bodies are meant to physically be in some sort of good condition. They are like they are. That's that's how we're designed. And unfortunately, with the lifestyle we live, we don't have to. You know, a matter of uh, staying in shape two, three hundred years ago was a matter of survival. Like most people couldn't, you know, couldn't afford enough food to even be able to be over. You know, so so we've kind of developed this unfortunate thing with human beings where we we don't put ourselves mentally and physically in the best shape and it causes anxiety causes depression causes stress even you know so if we look at ourselves and our own anxieties i think a lot of them stem from a lack of stimulation in some sort of way okay whether that be professional personal whatever or just, you know, again, well, personal kind of falls under the exercise. Yeah, that's it. Again, I just think it's this understimulation. Even myself, you know, when I find myself maybe mentally in the not not in not the best place. And we're, guys, you can't be mentally in the best place all the time. It's impossible. Nobody does it. But when you find yourselves in those moments, you find yourself, when I find myself in that moment, I can at least try to go, well, David, <laughs> you haven't been running. You haven't been hitting the gym like you should. And you don't feel the best. Not really surprised, unfortunately. Now, lately I've been hitting the gym. I've been getting back to the gym, getting back in shape, maybe even just trying to extend my walks a little longer. Uh, Dogs are looking at me like, oh my God, I'm tired. But you know, (laughs) they can do it. And we do. And that makes me feel better. It does. It makes me mentally feel better, physically feel better. I'm more awake. My wife notices it. I notice it. So it's true for every living creature on this planet that if you don't put yourself in a physical, a good, a healthy, a balanced physical and mental state, it's going to lead over to bad stuff, guys. It's going to it's going to bring anxiety issues, stress, depression. And again, no different with our dogs in that regard. And I think really what it comes, you know, like, look, really when it comes down to it, when we talk about keeping yourself exercise stimulated as a person, what we're really doing is creating this balance in our life and we're creating fulfillment for ourselves. You know, like not to get off too much on the human side of it, but we, we do. When we look at that from a couple hundred years ago, from that perspective of living was a matter of survival back in those days or surviving was a matter of, you know, you didn't, you didn't just get to live life and go on TikTok and go to the movies and go grab a Starbucks. Like it, it life, life sucked 300 years ago. And it was really a matter of just existing and being able to continue existing, you know? And so I think when we take that, that primalness, when we remove ourselves from those primal instinctual needs that we're not fulfilling on a daily basis, that's what causes anxiety for ourselves. And that's what happens with dogs. Okay. What we've done with dogs is we've domesticated them. Okay. We've domesticated dogs to a point that we think fulfilling a dog is letting them have a wonderful, comfortable home to live in, a nice dog bed, doggy treats all the time, whatever their food bowl down 24 hours a day. And, you know, we think of that as, as fulfilling a dog. But in fact, even for ourselves, guys, you know, I look, I've, it's been a while since I've given this example. So let's give it right now. If I told you, if I told you guys, if I told you right now, I'm going to pay you a million dollars a year, okay, a million dollars a year, and you don't have to do a damn thing. Nope. And not only do you not have to do anything, you have to stay home all day. That's it. You can't leave. You're just home all day. You're alone. That's it. 
And it sounds kind of good at first, right? Oh, I just get to sit on the couch and lay back and watch some TV. But as I've said, coronavirus was the perfect example, the perfect time to show us we're not designed to do that, are we? It was really nice for a week or two to turn off and not do, but we all get cabin fever and we all start getting stuck. So if I offered you a million dollars a year, no strings attached with the exception that you have to stay home, you're not allowed to go out, you're not allowed to do anything, you're going to be bored off your mind and you're going to be frustrated, potentially depressed, anxious, all these things will come out of it. And guess what? That's what you're doing to your dog. You're paying them a million dollars a year to sit at home and do nothing. They have all the food, everything they could want for for a mechanism for surviving. But is it living? No, no, it's not. It's not living, and that's what I feel like with people too. If you sit at home, I'm sorry, but if you sit at home all day behind your screen playing video games and that's all you ever do, my opinion, you're not living. You're not. You're existing. I don't know about you guys, but I want to live my life. I don't want to exist in my life. Okay. Um, your dogs, it's the same thing. Your dogs want a purpose. They want something to do. And when we take that away from them and force them to just sit at home all day and do nothing and twiddle their thumbs, we develop anxiety issues, okay? So that's one of the first and foremost things. And I know we, we spent a lot because it's, it's everything. If you don't stimulate your dog mentally and physically, they're going to be bored, they're going to be anxious, and they're going to be depressed. There's no other way to say it. I, guys, I know these... But pets are our family, they're family members, they're a part of the family, they're a part of my home, they're a part of, you know, I, I hear all that all the time. Well, they're a part of it. I don't understand why they wouldn't be happy. Why would they be anxious? I give them everything, love and food and attention. Do you know what I don't hear? Where's the discipline? Where's the rules? Where's the structure? Where's the boundaries? Where's the exercise? No one ever says that. No one ever says that. They go, oh, I got a backyard that he can run around in. Guys, if you ran around in the same damn backyard day after day, every day, it's going to get old. It's going to get boring and it's going to get stale, even for something as simplistic as a dog. Their brains are simple, but they need to be stimulated, okay? So again, first and foremost, before anything else, it's all about providing proper amounts of stimulation for your dog, mental and physical, right? If you are providing that for your dog, you are just absolutely decreasing the odds and decreasing the chances that your dog is going to have separation anxiety. Anytime I have separation anxiety, okay, now, and we talk about stimulation, but what does that look like? It looks like the walk. Anytime I have a dog with separation anxiety, whether I'm doing a boot camp or in-home training, it always, always, always is going to start with increasing the exercise. Every single time, no matter what, without, like, without fail, okay? Exercise is what's needed to alleviate anxiety, first and foremost, for ourselves, for our pets, all right? So it's got to start with a proper walk and proper exercise. Now, that, that, you know, when we say exercise, yes, I, I first and foremost, the walk, always, always, always. But I am also talking about fun things, too. We want your dog to have fun. We want them to enjoy it. Nothing wrong with using fetch, uh, throwing a tennis ball as a form of exercise, swimming, going to the beach. There are different ways we can give our dogs exercise, but the walk is the most important and the first one you should be practicing before anything else. Okay. So... Exercise and stimulation. Now, how do, let's, okay, let's say we're doing the exercise. Let's say we're doing the stimulation, but our dog still whines when we leave or destroys things. Let's go to the destructive side first. If you have a dog that has separation anxiety and they're destroying things in your home, whether it be furniture, the blinds, the, the, uh, the, the baseboards, the, the door frames, scratching up doors, I've heard it all, right? No matter what that is, guys, the, the easiest way to solve this is you've got to crate your dog. 
there it is. That's the easiest way to solve destruction of with separation. And now, excuse me, solve. It's a Band-Aid. <laughs> it solves it in the moment. It stops the dogs from destro- destroying your house and stops the, your dogs from potentially harming themselves, right? So uh, first and foremost, guys, if you have a dog that's destructive because of separation anxiety, you've got to get them in a crate when you leave. You don't have an option. You don't have a choice. Well, I can't, well David, I just bring them with me everywhere. That's not solving anything, is it? Your dog's never really learning to be alone. And the problem is if you keep bringing your dog everywhere with you, not only are you not teaching them to be alone, but you're literally teaching them they shouldn't be alone. They're never alone. And once they are, they have absolutely no idea what to do with it. It's just like children when we expect perfection out of children. And then they they get perfection every time. And they're a straight A student. And then all of a sudden one day in high school, they get their first B minus. And the kid just implodes upon themselves and freaks out, don't they? Because they've never experienced failure before. And a B minus isn't even failure, right? That's the point. You got to fall flat on your face to learn from it and you become a better person for it. Um, <laughs> all right. So anyway, getting back to it, you, you, you got to push the birdie out of the nest and you got to put your dog in a crate. Okay. It's the, it, it's one of the basic ways we go about solving separation anxiety. Now I hear it, David, if I put my dog in a crate, he's going to howl and whine. I live in a condo. I live in an apartment. My neighbors are going to hate me. Hell, even my neighbor in the house next door, they can hear it. The dog is so loud and so I can hear every, I hear it guys. I hear it. I, okay. I hate to say it, but tough toodles. This is what you got to do. And honestly, if you're going to crate your dog before you leave and you know, they're going to whine and stuff, you should be exercising them for two solid hours straight before you're leaving. David, I don't have time for that. You, you're going to wake up at 3.30 in the morning. I got news for you. This is not permanent, but this is what it takes to solve separation anxiety. So if I do have a dog and they're destructive, I put them in a crate. Nah, David, they're going to whine and go nuts. Exercise them for two solid hours before you put them in the crate then, guys. Get your dog tired because a tired dog is going to go... They're leaving, oh my God, I'm, exa- I'm just gonna take a nap. Dog that has energy is gonna work themselves up and where are they going? Okay, I don't know what they're thinking legit, but you know, <laughs> we can guess. All right, so people, we, we don't like to hear that we have to do things that we don't wanna do to solve problems. I was just talking to the, uh, about this with somebody the other day. People don't like to hear that you have to be a part of the solution. You're their owner. You are the person that is around your dog more than anybody else. And if you want to make behavioral changes, you have to take an active role. You have to do uncomfortable things like waking up earlier, going for much longer walks than you want to because you're going to be exhausted too. People don't like to hear the truth. They just want this magic, wave the magic wand fix. And it it just doesn't work that way, guys. It just doesn't. So if you want to solve separation anxiety, it's going to start with some tough love, okay? And it's going to start with some consistency, exercise, and, and discipline rules. That's what the crate is when you think about it, right? When you leave, there needs to be some sort of discipline there, some, some restraint mechanism. And that's what the crate is going to be, all right? So again, if your dog does get whiny in the crate and you exercise the hell out of them, they're probably not going to be that whiny anymore. Maybe they'll whine for five or ten minutes and then stop. Here's another important point. If we do have a dog that has separation anxiety, and no matter what we're going about to solve it, crate, you know, leaving them behind, maybe they're not destructive, they're just anxious, we don't need a crate. One thing I wanna recommend is a camera. Make sure you guys get a baby monitor, a camera, something like that. I want to, I want you to be able to keep an eye on your dog. Because another important thing about anxiety is logging your success, your progress, and maybe even your backwards steps. What do I mean by this? All right, let's say 
We are leaving for the first time with our dog in the crate. We know they're going to be anxious, but I exercised them, right? We're, we're trying to set them up for success. It may not be pretty the first few times. That's, that's what training is, guys. Put them in the crate. I shut the door. I leave. I turn on my camera. I'm gone. And I'm going to watch carefully. You know, please don't drive and sit and watch your phone, um, but be smart about it. But I'm going to watch that camera and I'm going to look and I'm going to time it. All right, I've been gone for 10 minutes and he's still going up. Oh, let's say I've been gone for 20 minutes. He's still whining. Oh, 21 minutes hit and all of a sudden he decided to lay down and go to sleep. Cool. Next day, I'm going to do the same thing. Leave, camera on, I'm watching. And wouldn't you know, oh, look at that, 18 minutes. He only whined for 18 minutes on day two. Okay, day three, rinse and repeat. Look at that, he only whined for 15 minutes on day three. You can actually see the progress, or maybe not. Maybe he's whining for longer the first few days, which sometimes can happen, and then it'll go down. Okay, you have to have patience. But that's the thing. I want you to log it. Because if you don't log it, if you aren't aware of what's happening when you're gone and how soon and how quickly they're come, you really don't know if you're making progress, right? Um, so something to think about getting a camera to be able to see how quickly your training is progressing, okay? Now, other little details when it comes to separation anxiety, and this is, this is the in-between stuff. Look, I'll be honest. Crating, exercise, proper walks, and stimulation. That is, that, those are the core ways we solve separation anxiety. I'm telling you, that's it. However, all the in-between, I said that's the core, that's it for the core stuff, but the in-between stuff. This is where it gets a little more complicated, a little trickier, and requires you as the dog owner to be more observant in recognizing patterns with your dog. Okay, so here's what we're gonna talk about. Checking out my dogs. Uh, so here's what we're gonna talk about. So what do I mean by in-between stuff? Okay. Ask, we have to ask some questions about what goes on in your house. Like, for example, okay, if your dog has separation anxiety, are they more particular on being anxious toward one person? Do they tend to hover toward one person? Do they follow one person in your household around the house all the time, always has to know what they're doing? Are they anxious if that one person leaves the house, but not if a different person does? What I'm getting at is, does your dog have a safety blanket person, <laughs> okay? Do they have a safety blanket person, a person they use as this crutch? If the answer is yes, then you, that person, the safety blanket person, you, I'm talking to you, <laughs> you're not gonna like this, but you have to take your affection down with your dog. Because the problem is your dog is in an anxious state of mind. And if they view you as the safety blanket and you constantly give that reinforcement and affection and love, that dog is going, I'm anxious, I'm anxious, where's mom, where's mom, there's mom, mom gave me affection, oh good, okay, I can be, I keep being anxious, keep being anxious. Dogs are state of mind. If they're anxious and you give them affection while they're anxious, they're going to continue being anxious. And especially if you are their safety safe, if you are their safety blanket, if you are their crutch in life, Oh, that dog's gonna look for it. Guys, I've, given, I've, I've talked about this all the time because this is one of the best examples I can give because it was my own dog. Still have her, here she is. This is Miss Coco, hey Coco. Okay, if you guys are watching on my YouTube channel, you can see Coco behind me here. This is my little Chihuahua Coco. Now Coco, when we first got her, guys, she was a wreck. There's no other way to say it. This dog was an absolute mess. Uh, she was terrified of everyone. She was terrified of me. She hated me. I mean, like me just petting her like I just did never would have happened when we first got her. Okay. She was absolutely terrified of the world, especially big people, men, you know, anything really big. Um, wasn't housebroken, probably spent most of her life in a crate. I mean, she was, she was a wreck. And here's the thing. The second I brought her home, she immediately attached herself to my wife. My wife didn't do anything. It was just, it was big, scary guy. My wife's not, you know, she attached herself. And it was a problem because she would uh, and bark at me. I mean, day one, immediately, this dog, this is, 
you know? So that's, look, I don't blame you guys. It's not necessarily something you do that creates these problems. The dog's in a bad state of mind and certain things can trigger them. And you don't always know what those triggers are with a new dog too, especially when the rescue isn't honest with you about the dog. So anyway, (laughs) they weren't. Uh, So anyway, getting back to it, my wife had to take her affection away from Coco for about three months. Really, it was about a month and a half, like total, no affection. I don't, nope, go away. Nope, leave me alone. Nope, go on. Constantly telling Coco to leave her alone. And by about a month and a half into this, Coco finally looked up at me and was like, hey, I'm not getting any affection anywhere. Can I, can I, hey, hey, you don't, you're not so bad. You, I, you have there's really, I've been a month and a half of seeing there's no reason to be scared of you. And then she came over to me and could give her a little affection. And then after a couple weeks of that, of giving her affection, we brought my wife's affection back in slowly. My wife would give her one little pet and walk away. That's it. Slowly. We built her back up to the point that now Coco has a balanced relationship with both of us. Okay. And so that's the thing. If we have a dog that has separation anxiety to one particular person, that person has to take their affection down in order to show them you don't need me. Okay. And then it gives your dog an opportunity to look elsewhere for that affection. And that's how we can create that balance. But the problem is if it's out of balance, you have to bring it back. You have to, you have to. And the only way to do that is to take the, tr- the safety blankets affection down and take everybody else's affection up. All right. And that's what we did. And then again, we brought my wife back into the picture with Coco. And now Coco's, a, you know, like I said, balanced relationship with both of us. All right. So that's one of the biggest things that people don't like to do with separation anxiety. To be honest, guys, it's, it's the tough work. It's the tough love. You can't constantly reinforce your anxious dog or you're reinforcing anxiety. You have to wait for a moment that your dog relaxes. If I have a dog that's constantly on my heel and constantly follows me around, and then one day they decide instead of following me around, they go and they lay on their dog bed away from me, I take a treat and go, boom, toss them a treat and say, good boy, reinforce. That's what I have to wait for with an anxious dog. I have to wait for that moment of relaxation to be able to reinforce relaxing behavior. Because the problem is if they're anxious and anxious and anxious and anxious, and I reinforce it, they're going to go, oh, keep being anxious and anxious and anxious and, okay, so with anxiety, it's tough, guys. Separation anxiety, it's not always this black and white straightforward thing. What I can tell you is that exercise, 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 a proper walk, a lot of stimulation, that's going to go a long way towards solving separation anxiety. Next is going to be a crate. You have to create an anxious dog while you're gone. It's the only way to solve it. And the best way to set yourself up for success with that crate is to get your dog extraordinarily tired. (laughs) Okay. All right. Then it's going to be learning what to reinforce, what not to reinforce, understanding that you don't want to reinforce an anxious dog. Look, this baby talk stuff, guys. Oh, it's my little puppy. If your dog is anxious and shaking, That is the last thing you want to do is have a conversation with your dog. It's only going to make them more anxious. All right. (sighs) I know. Like Solving separation anxiety, it's not an easy thing for us because we have to stop being what we are, humans. Take that emotional stuff and throw it away. That's what you have to do when it comes to separation anxiety. Be a source of strength to your dog, not weakness. All right. So remember, guys, exercise, exercise crating and making sure you're reinforcing relaxation and not anxious behaviors. All right. So good luck out there. And let me know. We're still doing those free consultations till the end of the month, the end of May. So if you guys want to do a free virtual consultation with me, get your dog on track. If you've got separation anxiety issues, let me know. More than happy to help. You can email me questions at speakadogcast.com or feel free to message me on social media. Good luck out there training your dogs.
tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? Well, we can help. At The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Our virtual training programs are catered to you and your pet and create a training plan that gets results. For more information, you can check out our website at www.thenatureoftraining.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. With the ability to connect, teach, and train with pet owners around the world, together we can make a better home for our furry friends. The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, helping you achieve success with your pet. Housebreaking 101. Yes, it is the number one most requested uh, information that people want when it comes to training your dog. Nobody wants a dog peeing and pooping in their house. And so everybody's got to deal with this. If you have a puppy or maybe a dog that's older that you adopted that's never been housebroken, the nice thing is housebreaking really for the most part, for the most part, is done the same way no matter what we're dealing with, an older dog, a younger dog. And the thing with housebreaking, guys, is honestly, it's it's simple. It's simple. It doesn't always take a, you know, it's not always going to be this overnight success thing. Sometimes it can take a few weeks or even maybe in a couple months, uh, sometimes a few months to housebreak a dog. It depends on the dog. But the reality is the concepts are, are very simplistic and straightforward. Every dog learns a little different, a little different rate, but it all stays the same. Now, the first thing I want to talk about with housebreaking is the fact that your dog Yes, you, every dog, any dog, every dog on this planet, guys. The only reason a dog goes to the bathroom outside is because they're given a reason to. You heard me right. The only reason your, your dog chooses to use the bathroom or is reinforced or conditioned to use the bathroom outside is because they are given a reason to. Look, first and foremost, every animal on this planet, you, me, dog, cat, bird, every child, adult, doesn't matter. Every animal on this planet, guys. The only reason we repeat a behavior, the only reason we do anything in this life is because we get something out of it. Whether it's intrinsic, whether it's financial, whatever, the only reason animals, including ourselves, that's why it's financial, dogs don't do that, uh, the only reason we do stuff is because we get something out of it and it gets reinforced and strengthens the behavior. So, your dog, <laughs> your dog, the only reason they use the bathroom outside is because they get something for it. Think about it. When we have, when we do crate training with dogs, right? Why do we do crate training? Why is crate training a thing we do with dogs for housebreaking? It's very simple. It goes back to instinct. Dogs don't want to lay where they pee or poop, right? They don't want to lay in their excrement. They don't want to lay in it. And their the instinct just makes them smart enough to know that, all right? So if we put a crate around the dog and they don't have the space to put it in the corner, they are a hell of a lot less likely to use the bathroom. And then it teaches them the physical, actual condition, teaches them to hold it, all right? So if I had a big crate with a little dog, they're gonna pee in the corner, aren't they? Because people go, oh, they don't wanna pee in my house. Guys, they, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. My dog doesn't wanna pee in my house, really? Did he tell you that? <laughs> Be, is your dog peeing in the house? Well, yeah, but he knows I'm mad at him, so he doesn't wanna pee. So you conditioned your dog to avoid you because you're mad at him and you think that's him going, I know I'm not supposed to pee in the house. No, guys, your dog is not, no. 
No, they're simpler than that. The only reason that they're choosing outside over inside is because they get something out of it. Think of it. And I, look, I, I've heard, heard people say, oh, my dog house broke him in a week. It was no problem. He almost always went outside. Well, he got lucky. Your dog enjoyed peeing on things outside and it got something out of that and said, boy, I like peeing on a smell from the squirrel that was here earlier versus in my house with smells I smell all the damn time. That alone is gets getting something out of it. You know what I mean? Well, I never gave my dog treats and he still goes outside. Well, because he smelled something, peed on it, and that smelled better than peeing on the thing that smelled good inside. Like, you see what I'm saying? There's always something. There's always a reason a dog goes, well, I'll choose over here versus over there. There's always, 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 all right? So with that said, knowing that, like that, that's just it. This should empower you now. Knowing that a dog will only choose to go outside if, if given a reason to, guess what that reason is? It's food. Yeah, a treat. Now, here's the thing. Most people wait to give the treat when they get back inside with their dog. Eh, wrong answer. Um, <laughs> no, guys, got to bring the treat with you. You have to. Leash up your dog, take them outside, and the second that they go to the bathroom, you have to reward them right there because you only have about 10 seconds for your dog to correlate what they just did and the food they just got. By the time you get back inside, it's gone, okay? So I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, so let's go back to very basic you know, basics. Basics, guys. Here's how it goes. And I'm just, I'm really, I'm gonna just gonna lay it out. I got a new puppy that comes into my home. This puppy is not housebroken. This is the example, right? Puppy's not housebroken. Puppy has absolutely no concept of peeing inside versus outside. It's gonna be tough. I'm gonna tell you this right now. If you have a dog that has no concept of where they're supposed to go, let's say they're like six months old, it's gonna be tough. It may not be the most straightforward thing that they just seem to go whenever they feel like it. That, that's a little tougher. And then that's gonna require more stringent rules on your part, okay? So I got a puppy that comes in, has no clue where it's supposed to go, how it's supposed to go, here it is. That dog is going to live by my side. <laughs> I am not going to take my eyes off of this dog in my house at all for a second. Because if I do, they're going to pee inside and I'm SOL. All right, so when I have a new puppy that's never been housebroken, first and foremost, first and foremost, they're gonna be leashed up to my side. If I'm letting them off and letting them have playtime with my other dogs in the house, I am going to be right there watching them like a hawk. I will not take my eye off of them. And if I know that I can't keep my eye on them, they're back tethered to my side, or maybe they gotta go in the crate for five or 10 minutes while I know I can't keep an eye on them. Housebreaking 101, guys, it's all about controlling the amount of input, food and water, and the amount of output and poop. It's knowing if my dog has not output, I better keep an eye on them because otherwise they will. You know, like if, they, if I know they need to output, if I know they need to poop and pee, you can't just let them run around the house. So it's all about control, right? So leashing them up, keeping them by my side. If I know we drank about, let's say 30 minutes ago, let's say it's a young puppy, excuse me, I'm going to head outside, leash them up, head outside and tell them, go pee. Go pee. Now, sometimes I take my leash. Now, excuse me, I did that wrong, didn't I? Ah, see, sometimes when I'm on the podcast, I'm just, no, I say go pee and stop. I don't say it twice. <laughs> I say go pee and then try to guide them around and let them go pee. I don't go, go pee, go pee, go pee, go pee, go pee, go pee, go pee. I don't want to distract them. I don't want one go pee and let them do their thing. Now, let's say they just, they're distracted. They're not really wanting to go. That's why we leash them up, guys. I wanna guide them around, maybe try to start to make those circle motions, getting them to go into that pee motion. And then once they do pee, the second they're done going, that's when I make a big deal. Good boy, good girl, and give them a treat immediately and say, good, go pee, good, okay? 
We want to start conditioning that the second they're done using the restroom out there, they get food. So not only do they get to find something fun to sniff and pee on, they get food and affection as well. I hear it all the time where people go, I don't want to bring a treat with me. Then you're doing yourself and your dog a disservice. You don't want to bring a treat with you. That's fine. But your dog isn't going to learn as fast. It's that simple. Well, they love my affection. Guys, they love food more, okay? Stop arguing with me about this. <laughs> I know you're not arguing with me, but I've had a few people that have really been vehemently arguing with me about the fact that I don't need a treat, I don't need a treat, I don't need a treat. That's fine, you don't need a treat, but your dog isn't gonna learn as fast if that's the way you think. Sorry, my experience, I, I know for a fact. So guys, you have to have the food with you. I'm just saying it, you have to. There's no other way around it. You gotta reinforce that with a treat once they go. Let's say they don't go to the bathroom. Let's say you take them out, you're doing everything you can. Oh, uh, sorry, I missed it. Three to five minutes, I should have mentioned that. You only give them three to five minutes, guys. Three to five minutes to use the restroom. If they don't do it in that three to five minutes, we turn around, we go back inside. If they don't use the bathroom, I have to keep them leashed up on me. I have to keep them by my side, maybe put them in the crate for a few minutes, all right? Because if you don't keep them by your side, they're going to find a corner and they're gonna go use the bathroom the second you take your eye off of them. Controlling intake and output, okay? If I'm not watching them, they're gonna control it themselves. It's all about setting up variables and, and parameters to control when they go to the bathroom. Okay, like this is just, it's, it's really simplistic, guys. If they don't go, I bring them back inside and either keep them leashing them up or create it, okay? We wait another 20, 30 minutes, I take them out, three to five minutes, we try again. If they go, reward, and then they get freedom again. Then they get to drink water again. Let's talk about water restriction for a second, because I know some people are like, David, I don't want to starve my dog of water. Nobody does. I never want to do that. That's not what I'm recommending. But what I am saying is, guys, puppies will overdrink. And when I say overdrink, I mean, I've watched a puppy sit and drink for like 45 seconds straight without stopping. Run away, go start playing, come back and do it again. Guys, dogs don't need that much water. Like, of course, they need enough water to be hydrated, to be healthy, but they don't need 45 seconds over and over and over and over and over of drinking because puppies will actually drink out of boredom. Correct, you heard me. They will actually drink out of just being bored and something to do. And then they fill their bladder up so full that they physically cannot hold it and boom, full release all over your nice or you know your nice rug. Um, so that's the thing, it's all about restricting water too. 10 to 15 seconds is really all you, look, if you have a really tiny puppy, 10 seconds is all they need. Another thing I want you to keep an eye on is if they're gulpers. I've actually taken slow-mo videos and watched dogs drink and it's incredible. Some dogs can lap up like seven gulps worth of water in one gulp. And if they're lapping up that much water, they're over drinking potentially. This is this is why I say, guys, take what I'm saying right now with a grain of salt because every dog is different. You can't just assume, oh, David said 10 to 15 seconds. You got a big dog, that's gonna it's gonna be longer. You got a 120 pound dog, 10 to 15 seconds may not be enough. If we were just out for a long walk and it's really hot out, of course they're gonna need more water. But you have to take the understanding that, well, I know they got more water, so we're gonna have to go out in about 30 minutes, okay? Or maybe even 20 minutes if they just drank a ton of water and it's a small dog, maybe even 15 minutes. Start learning your dog's habits and their patterns. And there's another thing, pee log, guys. Pee log, pee and poop logs. Gotta have them for the young puppies and especially if you live in a house with a bunch of, you got, you got a family of five, three kids, mom and a dad. You have to have a pee log, guys, because you gotta know when your dog went to the bathroom, what they did, number one or number two, okay? And you have to know, right, if they went or not. And then not only that, it allows you to actually chart the peeing and pooping and see, oh, look at that, my dog pees uh, four times a day 
and poops twice a day. It's consistent. It's always within these few hours. So you'll know, oh, look at that. It's coming up on 11 o'clock. Usually fluffy poops between 11 and 1230. Got to get them out. This is how you start seeing the patterns and being able to get ahead of it and being able to reinforce it. That's what it's about. Housebreaking is all about control controlling how much they get, knowing when they got what they got, and knowing how long it needs to be. Um, it's very important that you know how often your dog goes and how much when you're housebreaking, right, to get that. Now I can hear the other comment, David, should I use the bell by the door? David, how, my dog doesn't let me know. Okay, first of all, I'm not a big fan of the bell by the door. I'm just not. It, 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 why are we teaching our dogs an extra step? I, I just want them to use the damn bathroom outside. I don't need them to ring a bell because some dogs will start ringing the bell whenever they want to go out and then you're having to fight that behavior and, and shape that. Why? Why? I prefer just to teach my dogs to hold it. Simple as that. Hold it. Just learn to hold it. I'll let you out. You don't got to worry about it. You know, um, It's not a problem. If you just simply teach your dogs to hold it, then they just know to hold it. I mean, I, I can't say that any simpler and make it any more black and white. But if you teach your dog that at 6 a.m. they need to go out every day at 6 a.m. and here's 6, oh, they better, I can guarantee at 5.57 a.m. your dog is gonna start getting fidgety in their crate and then they're gonna start barking going, hey, I know what the path, but if I just take them out and don't make them wait too long and just take them out whenever we need, then they just know every time I go out, I lift a leg, squat, pop a squat. Every time I go out, I use the bathroom. They start understanding that and then it never becomes a problem. They just know to hold it until you let them relieve themselves. Stop messing around with all this extra stuff, guys. It's just, it's unnecessary and it makes your life more difficult. And in my opinion, it makes it harder for the dog to learn. Let's talk about pee pads next. <laughs> my favorite thing, get rid of them. Get rid of them, guys, get rid. Let me ask you something. Let's say we're housebreaking a puppy and the puppy is peeing in the house, but the puppy is also peeing outside. But then we're gonna take a pee pad and we're gonna put that on the patio. And now my puppy is peeing in three different places, inside, on the pad, and outside. Do you want your dog to pee outside? Like, guys, do you want your dog to go to the bathroom outside? Then reinforce them going outside. Stop putting all this extra crap in there. You're making it harder for your dog to understand. I don't get why people like pee pads. I really don't understand it. And quite frankly, I'm a little jealous of the guy who invented them because he must be filthy, dirty rich. <laughs> Stop using pee pads for your puppies. Stop it. It's confusing them. Like, I don't know any other way to say it. It drives me crazy how many people use puppy pee pads. Stop using them. You're confusing your dog. All right, how about this? How about we put the pee pad inside the house? I love that one. It's by the front door. Your dog is peeing inside the house by the front door. Oh, but it's on the pee pad. No, he's peeing inside the house. They, they know that, guys. They know. And then what do they do? Oh, I love this one I hear. Well, he'll use the pee pad, but sometimes he goes and pees on my rugs. Well, gee, I wonder why. Because that rug feels a lot like the pee pad, doesn't it? You're confusing your dogs. Get rid of the pee pads. Enough. <laughs> all right, guys. So look, recap, all right? It's all about controlling parameters of input and output when it comes to housebreaking, and it's all about reinforcing it once they go outside. Dogs don't have that concept of understanding. Well, my owners don't want me. I don't want, I don't want to pee in my own house. No, they don't think like that, guys. They will pee in their own house if they have room to, unless you condition it otherwise. So remember, leash up your dog, take them out, guide and direct them. If they go, you reinforce it immediately outside with the treat. If they don't, you bring them back in, keep them leashed up or put them in a crate. Wait 20 to 30 minutes, head back outside, 
Try it again. Rinse and repeat the process. We're also going to make sure that we keep a pee and poop log knowing when our dogs go, how often they go. That way we start to understand the patterns and can control it better. Okay. Uh, we're not going to use pee pads. We're not going to use the bell. We're not going to use any of these gimmicky, ridiculous things because it just makes it more confusing for your dog, guys. All right. If everybody in your house can get on the same page of how to go about housebreaking and use the consistent tools, I can guarantee you, you're going to see a difference like that. With that said, every dog is a little different. All right. Sometimes a small dog that's a small puppy, they take a little longer to learn to hold it. They, they take a little longer to be able to physically hold it. So, you know, every dog is a little different. Some dogs learn overnight. Some dogs take a few weeks and even on the rare occasion, a couple months to housebreak. So be patient and be consistent and you'll have your dog peeing only outside in no time. The answer to today's trivia question, what four common animal species die soon after giving birth? It's the octopus, the squid, the salmon, and the common mayfly. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today on the first pets, we'll be talking about Barack Obama. Barack Obama was the 44th president of the United States, and he served from 2009 to 2017. Obama, of course, is known for being the first African-American mixed-race president. He is also the only U.S. president to have been born in the state of Hawaii. He practiced law as a civil rights attorney before getting involved in politics. And uh, most of us know that the Obama family had two famous, very well-loved dogs while in the White House. Now, while running for office, the president had promised his daughters that if he won the election, they would get a puppy. After winning, Senator Ted, uh, Ted Kennedy gifted the family a Portuguese water dog that they named Bo in honor of the First Lady's father, who went by the name Diddley. For those of you in the younger generations, if you're not familiar with it, Bo Diddley uh, was a very famous musician, guitarist. Check him out. Uh, incredibly talented. Uh, but yeah, obviously the, the father's nickname Diddley came from that, or maybe didn't come from that, but at least that's where they derived the Bo from. Now, Bo became popular with the American public on social media, as well as having a few children's books written about him. Well, now, there was even a plush toy <laughs> that was sold that looked like him. Now, after his re-election, the Obama family decided to get Bo a friend, and uh, this was Sonny. Sonny was also a Portuguese water dog. And uh, she was born on August 19th, 2013. Bo was well-behaved and very well-adjusted dog, but Sonny not quite as much. Now, Bo had actually received professional training, and Sonny did not. Yeah, Sonny was actually known to sneak away and have accidents around the White House, and apparently Michelle Obama would shrug it off, saying she can be naughty sometimes. Yeah, you know, peeing on these really expensive famous rugs, who cares, right? Anyway, in 2016, the dogs were actually almost victims of a dog kidnapping. Scott D. Stockert of Dickinson, North Carolina, was taken into custody by the Secret Service agents before he could go through with his plot. Boy, good thing. That's crazy. Now, Sonny is still with the Obamas today, but unfortunately, Bo passed away from cancer in May of 2021. Speaking Dogcast, it's the listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Jeremy from Dallas, Texas. Now, Jeremy says, we're getting a new puppy, and of course that means buying all the puppy supplies and preparing ourselves for everything that comes with it. I've been listening to your podcast and trying to take in all the information. My wife bought us everything we could need, I think, and also bought 
pee pads. <laughs> she wants to use them. After listening to what you've said, I don't want to use them. What do you think? Jeremy, great question. I mean, look, you know, it's kind of funny that you sent the question in this week because we were doing a housebreaking episode, Housebreaking 101. So you might have already gotten the answer to this question, <laughs> having listened to my segment today. But yeah, Jeremy, you're correct. You said you don't want to use them. Your wife does. I, look, it's one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to puppy training. We've got to stop using these puppy pads. It's only going to confuse your dogs. Look, simply put, if you you can ask your wife to listen to the podcast episode. Maybe that can help. Uh, if anything else, I'll say it right here, very succinct, very sim simply put. You're going to make it confusing for your dog. If I'm asking my dog, or rather, if your dog is peeing in three different places, you know what I mean? Inside, on the pee pad, and outside... Don't we want them to only be peeing outside? So if we want them to only be peeing in one spot, I don't want them peeing in three spots, right? If they're only going inside and outside, that makes it easier to eliminate one and have the other. But if they're peeing in three separate locations, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. And look, I've heard some people, oh, I have success with pee pads. My dog never peed inside after. Sure. You know what, you guys, you're the minority. And yeah, statistically speaking, there is going to be a dog that will learn to use pee pads and be fine with it. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you in all my experience and all my knowledge and all my training, pee pads most of the time make it worse. So tell your wife I do not approve of the pee pads. Return them and save yourself some money, man. I mean, come on, Jeremy. You know how expensive those things are. Tell your wife to stop. Spend that money on treats and training uh, instead of pee pads, all right? So I, I hope that answers your question. I know we went more in depth on the segment today, so... Good luck out there training your dog and your new puppy. Let me know if you guys need any help. Again, as a reminder, we're doing free consultations until the end of May. So virtual training, reach out to me, email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. All right, so hope that helps out, Jeremy. Next question. This comes from Scott from Albany, New York. Scott says, what should I use for flea and tick control? You can literally read every angle on flea and tick meds from either you should use them to never use them, only use this one, only use that one. <laughs> Living up north, I'm always connect, uh, concerned about ticks and I wanna keep my dog safe. What are your thoughts? Great question, Scott. You know, look, here's the thing. First of all, I'm gonna say it, I'm not a veterinarian. You know, please talk to your veterinarian, see what they recommend, what's best for you because part of this is, look, over the years, uh, in, in Florida, for example, I will say this, anybody in Florida listening, I don't know if they've changed, but a few years ago, Frontline was very bad. Frontline just didn't work. The, the ticks, I had had veterinarians tell me ticks and fleas were actually getting used to the meds. They had learned to, to develop an immunity to Frontline medication, flea and tick medication. So I personally, I, I don't recommend using flea and tick or Frontline flea and tick medication. I'll just say that in the state of Florida, at least. Can't speak to everywhere else, but... Um, in my experience, Frontline was not working very well. Now, look, there's always the debate of do we use topicals, do we use the pills, or is one worse than the other, is it bad for it? I don't like giving my dog this. Look, my argument is the parasites and diseases that fleas and ticks can carry are going to be a lot worse than some of the potential side effects of these medications. It's not ideal. I wish we didn't have to give our, uh, our pets these things, but the reality is we do. Ticks are a terrifying thing, guys. They really are. They're so scary. Um, they, they're scary. They're just scary. I, I hate ticks. They make my skin crawl and I would rather avoid them. Um, you know, I, look, the people have had success with trifexis at the same time. You'll read all of the recalls of trifexis years ago. There was debate on if it was killing our pets. 
Ah, you know, so this is the thing, Scott, I I tell you to talk to your vet. I really do because I want you to have a conversation with someone who's more involved with your pet directly and also looks at your pet from more of the medical side as opposed to myself, where I look more from the behavioral side. Okay. Um, My dogs are on flea and tick meds. They are on heartworm meds. Of course they are. I want to make sure they're safe. Look, I live, I, I, you, you know, you're in Albany, man. Those, those, Ticks up there are just nasty. A lot of them carrying Lyme disease and other things. It stinks. So, uh, yeah, I live out in the woods down here. You know, we live we live out in the country a little bit, if you will. And especially I take my dogs for hikes in the woods a lot. We go a lot of trails in the woods down here. So you got to keep them safe. There are good meds on the market. Like, I'm not going to sit here and endorse any of them. I'm just not. It's not not my bread and butter. I'm just being honest. Uh, today, I'm not going to do that. But what I will say is you should have them on their flea and tick meds. And I would talk to your veterinarian about what's going to work best for you in your area. And of course, more importantly, work best for your pets. So uh, sorry, I couldn't be of a little more help there, Scott, you know. Uh, But again, hey, this is the behavioral show, not the veterinary show. So uh, good luck out there keeping your dog safe. And everybody, make sure you're using flea and tick control and uh, and heartworm prevention as well for your dogs to keep them safe. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday and you're going to want to check them out. Follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast. Become a patron of the show today, patreon.com slash speakadogcast and find me on YouTube at speakadogcast. If you love what you're hearing, give me that five-star rating. Hey, if you're looking for training for your dog, we're offering those virtual training sessions until the end of May. Be sure you email me questions at speakadogcast.com. I want to thank my patrons, my pup supporters, Regula Wright and my dog friend Maureen Crosen. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful week and don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Mm-hmm.